for this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, and it is the parable of the great feast. So this is Luke chapter 14, as it is retold by Eugene Peterson. That triggered a response from one of the guests, how fortunate the one who gets to eat dinner in God's kingdom. And Jesus followed up, yes, for there was once a man who threw a great dinner party and invited many. When it was time for dinner, he sent out a servant to the invited guests saying, come on in, the food's on the table. Then they all began to beg off, one after another, making excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of property and I need to look it over, send my regrets. Another said, I just bought five teams of oxen and I really need to check them out, send my regrets. And yet another said, I just got married and I need to get home to my wife. The servant went back and told the master what had happened. He was outraged and he told the servant quickly, Get out into the city streets and alleys. Collect all who look like they need a square meal. All the misfits and homeless and wretched that you can lay your hands on, bring them here. The servant reported back, Master, I did what you commanded, and there is still room. The master said, Then go to the country roads. Whoever you find, drag them in. I want my house full. Let me tell you, not one of those originally invited is going to get so much as a bite at my dinner party. This is a story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A couple of weeks ago, I had a rare evening where I had the time and the energy to make dinner for my family. So on the menu that night was a baked chicken that I rolled in flour and egg and breadcrumbs, and I put that in the oven and scalloped potatoes that I sliced thinly and layered with uh, onion and butter and salt and pepper and green beans. So the preparations took a good chunk of time. When I went to take the chicken out of the oven, in an instant, I flipped the chicken from the oven tray to the floor. I have two dogs that couldn't believe their good fortune. (laughs) But the meal at the table, well, it just wasn't what I had imagined, sitting in front of a plate of potatoes and green beans. It was disappointing. Have you ever been the host of a meal when things didn't go like you hoped? Maybe there was a hair in the soup, or the wine ran out, or the guests were late, or the guests didn't get along. Well, that is the setting for the parable that you just heard, the parable in Luke chapter 14. The parable is about a feast, but that story is told at a feast in the home of a Pharisee. And when I read chapter 14 of Luke's gospel, I feel for the host. I feel bad for that Pharisee. He has a gathering in his home, and in walks a man who is suffering from abnormal swelling, what we would call edema. You know, it's, it's an ailment that's really not polite to notice. However, at the sight of this man, Rabbi Jesus, who's just another guest, brings attention to the swelling. And he gives voice to a controversial topic, healing on the Sabbath. Okay, that is the who did you vote for topic of the first century. Jesus then heals the man, and he sends the man on his way. And the result is, as you might imagine, 
Awkward silence. Verse 6 says the other guests had nothing to say. Well, that gives the rabbi the opportunity to just keep on talking. He tells the other guests that they've picked the wrong seats at the table, and then he implies to them that maybe they shouldn't have even been invited. This guy. Trying to recover some of the peace and harmony of the evening, another guest, and I insert in the scripture, the Pharisee's best friend, raises a glass and says, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And that's the kind of blessing that calls for a response. So someone else at the table might have said, may we be among the righteous who sit at that table. Or may that day come quickly. And then everyone at the table would say, hear, hear, amen, let's eat. But instead, the verbose, self-assured rabbi takes the opportunity to tell a story. Who invited this guy? He certainly is a disruptor, but more importantly, more importantly, once the parable is heard, the disruptive dinner guest becomes the dinner host. It's a huge shift in the Gospel of Luke that takes place in chapter 14, and it sets the Gospel up for what my New Testament professor said is the pinnacle of that Gospel, the story of the prodigal son that will happen in chapter 15, but in chapter 14 is a scandal. And the scandal is that the banquet guest has become the banquet host. The parable that he tells is this story. The banquet is ready now. Come on in. But they all begin to make excuses. So go out and bring in those who think that they are not invited. But there are still empty seats. Urge people to come in because my table will be crowded. The table Jesus is hosting is the great end-time banquet. And this is the place where the fulfillment of all God's promises would be evident to those who sit at the table. This table is mentioned in the Hebrew Scriptures a few times. We read from one of those places this morning, Isaiah 25, The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all people, and death will be no more. This table... The fulfillment of God's promises, it shows up in the Christian scriptures too. It is the place where the resurrected Christ is revealed to his followers, and it is the place where the Eucharist is shared. Pastor and teacher Leonard Sweet one time wrote about the importance of the table in our faith, and he wrote this. Here is the Old Testament in three sentences. They tried to kill us. We survived. Let's eat. Here is the New Testament in three sentences. I love you. I forgive you. Let's eat. The Gospel of Luke is particularly keen on the idea of eating together, on the idea of table. For Luke, nothing appears to be more significant. In fact, virtually every chapter in this Gospel contains something about eating together or sharing a meal And now it's true that people have to eat. 
We know that it's a necessary occurrence, and it's often a place where people come together, where conversation happens. So it shouldn't be much of a surprise that the table shows up in the story about the good news of the life of Jesus. But for Luke, it's even more than that. It's even more than community, and it's more than nourishment. For Luke, it is a clue. It is a a clue that the fulfillment of the kingdom of God is beginning immediately. It's beginning now. There's an ancient rabbinic parable that's told in response to a mention of the great feast at the end of times, and it goes like this. A king, there once was a king who summoned his servants to a banquet without giving them a time. And so the wise servants adorned themselves, and they sat at the palace gate because they knew that nothing was lacking in the royal palace. But the foolish servants, the foolish servants decided to go on with their work, saying, could there be a banquet without a time of preparation? Suddenly the king calls for his servants, and the wise enter the palace adorned, but the fools enter dirty and soiled. The wise are invited to sit down at the table and eat, but the fools are invited to stand and watch. Jesus tells his followers, you no longer have to fret about the when of the great banquet. You no longer have to worry about when it will begin. It starts now. The clue is in the parable. It's in verse 17 of chapter 14 of Luke. Peterson rewrote it. Come on in. The food's on the table. But the NRSV says, come for everything is ready now. If you see and follow Jesus, you know that nothing is lacking. What we need is provided. The time to sit down and eat is now. The time to celebrate is now. I went this week to hear Rob Bell teach at the Tobin on Tuesday night, and his topic was an introduction to joy. Much of his time teaching, which was an hour and a half long, he showed us slides of pictures that he had taken with his phone, things that he said were worth celebrating. He had a picture of a beetle, the bright colors on a beetle on his sidewalk, a picture of moss on the windows of a Ford Festiva, a picture of an embarrassed dog, a picture of the window of a cat cafe, the embrace of a sleeping child, and a couple of pictures of funny things that were said during a text conversation. You know, he didn't show me anything. He didn't show me anything that was unfamiliar. Nothing that he showed me was new to me. But I heard him give me the permission to celebrate, to celebrate now, those things that are already familiar to me, those things that are already worth enjoying in my day and in my life. Now, I hear two words of warning in this parable. The first is that the invitation list to the banquet has changed. It's not who I think it is. And the second is that it's possible to miss out on the feast. It's possible to miss this party. Not too long ago in our house, we received 
in the mail a very prestigious invitation, and I could tell, tell that it was prestigious because it had double envelopes. And then there was a separate RSVB, RSVP card to return. It was for an all-day-long event that included a worship service that I was hoping to tag along to the worship service with the guest. And so I said to the guest, the invitee, what an honor. Wow, look, you were invited to this. It'll be so much fun and all your friends will be there. But he just shrugged his shoulders and he said, Mom, that's the opening day of deer season. I am not going to that. We certainly have turned down some invitations in our home. And some of those invitations we turned down with good reason. But this feast, this feast that the disruptive host is giving, I don't want to miss it. And I want you to hear, I want you to hear that the invitation is yours to accept and it's yours to decline. Because there aren't any place cards at this table waiting for predetermined guests. You have a say here. You get to buy in or you get to be otherwise occupied. Because there are a lot of things, there are a lot of things that are attractive that are, alter, that are alternatives. And there are many uh, engagements that vie for our attention that are just distractions. But here's what I want you to know. What I want you to know is that where you can depend upon God's grace, where you see that you can depend upon God's grace in your day, lean in. Lean into that and gobble it up. Invite other people to share. Don't miss it. Because if I'm certain and sure of one thing, it is that you are invited You are invited to this feast. You know, the specific list of those who would logically be excluded from the holiest of places you can find in Leviticus chapter 21. And that same list shows up in Luke chapter 14 as those who would be honored invitees according to the disruptive guest Jesus. And then the list is repeated in the parable. It sounds like this in the NRSV. The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Now that kind of repetition in scripture, when a list gets specifically repeated like that, it's like texting in all caps. It's supposed to draw your attention. And so it says to me, it says to me that I can't find a person. I cannot find one single person who isn't invited to this great banquet We are all invited. We all have a place there. Our banquet table is a place where every single person is honored. No one is a project at this table. No one. The great feast is set and it's ready to enjoy each and every day of our lives. So let's dig in. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, you do set a beautiful table. Guide us to the places where your grace is being dished out in huge portions. Allow us to sit and fill our plates. And Lord, would you show us where to pull up a chair and invite another person to sit down?
For all these things, we are grateful. Amen.